How many of you can say, I love you more than life? It's one of my favorite things to really say to the Lord is, I love you. I say it to my wife and my kids all the time, and I mean it. Uh, but, um, you know, it is the heart cry of every child of God. The Bible says we, we, uh, because we've been adopted, we cry out, Abba, Father, which is like Daddy. That we cry out. There's something in our soul that cries out. And I can't think of anything I love to hear more than from my children than I love you. You know, I, they say thank you. They say lots of things. But, man, my favorite is I love you. And I know that God loves to hear us say it because is he worthy? He really is. And we've been talking about um, preparing for harvest. And I talked about last week about uh, the importance of being willing to let, if you want to win the race, the importance of letting things go. It is one of the things that God requires, you know, even in an offering, God said, God is not wanting our money, God is wanting us to let go of our security. God doesn't need money, but he needs, you need to let go. And you need to stop being in charge and stop being, stop trusting in things that are um, not trustworthy. So God says, uh, you got to let go of what you have, and I'll give you what I have. So it is an exercise that human beings have to go through where God says, if you want to win, you have to surrender. You're going to have to let go. And, of course, all of us would love to have the best of both worlds. We'd love to keep everything and have great victory. But God didn't set up life this way. For every great victory is a great surrender. It's giving up something you didn't want to give up so that you could gain something you wanted more. And God designed us this way, and it measures us, it measures who we are. I love this as a life, one of my life scriptures in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Now, we talked about that last week, and a couple of things we said was winning is determined by what you're willing to let go of. Your winning in life is going to be determined by what you're willing to let go of. There are things that are weighing you down that you're going to have to just let go of them. There are things, maybe they're your favorite little thing, your favorite hobby, your favorite little attitude, or favorite little bitterness, whatever your thing is. You know, some of you are people who always overdo it. You're always doing for people, and you're, you're doing so many good things, you're always worn out. And for you, letting go means saying no. That you can't always be the Messiah for everybody. You have to let other people stand on their own. Some of you, for your own kids, you're always doing for them. You need to kind of stop and let them grow up. Stop being in control. Those are things that we don't want to let them go, but you know what? We just got to. We just have to say, you know, I'm letting go. I'm letting go. These are the offerings that God requires. Sometimes you want the great harvest, but you don't want to sow great seeds. And great seeds are letting go of some stuff. And then, of course, there's no way to become, look, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. So he says, you know, you're going to have to let go of your favorite little sin thing that you think you need because you're doing that in place of me. And if you want everything I've got, you've got to give me everything you've got. Yes, I'm talking about that. And God puts his finger on it, not because he's taking something from you. It's because he wants to give something to you. But you can't receive with your hand closed. God said, open your hand and give me what you have, and I'll give you what I have. Let's make a deal. 
And I talked last week about these are, these are moments in life. There are moments when God says, let go. There's a grace. It's very difficult to let go of these things we've held on to. Bitterness, anger, attitude, guilt, whatever it is. And let these easily, sins that easily knock us down. It's very hard to get rid of them. But there's a moment that God says, you can get rid of it right now if you wanted to. When God says, give it to me, you got to give it to him. You say, well, God's giving me a bunch of time. God, no, there's a moment when the water is moving. You've got to be the first one in. Like, okay, I'm in. If you want to get rid of some of these things, you've got to move in that moment. You remember the, the rich young ruler? What a great guy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he said, uh, he said uh, I've done all these great things. I'm, I'm a good guy. How do I have eternal life? And Jesus said, okay, you only got to give up one thing. He's like, what? Anything. He said, well, I'll tell you what. Go take all that you have and sell it and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And he was like, I ain't giving that. I would give everything. And some people have a limit on what they'll give God. And therefore, they have a limit on what they can receive from God. This guy said, I don't really want to be your disciple. I don't want to write a book of the Bible. I don't want to change nations. I want to keep my money. And he walked away sad because Jesus had said, your real problem is not what God's willing to give to you. Your real problem is what you're unwilling to give to God. That you don't want to mess in with your pet stuff and your favorite things. And God said, if we want to get real and you want to have a harvest, I need some seeds, not, not just a check. I need the thing that you're holding back so I can give you the thing that I want to give you. And we said last week, that if you're not willing to admit where you are, you're never going to get where you're going. If you keep lying about where you are, like, I really want to get out of debt, but you, at, at lunch you're going to go use your credit card again? Because I think you say things that make you feel better about where you are, but you've got to face things. And you've got to say, you know what, that's got to go. I'm going to cut up that credit card. Or I'm going to get rid of that car. Or that boat's got to go. I don't care. The whole house has to go. If you want to get serious about getting free, you've got to be violent. We talked about it last week. Jesus said, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. Stop holding on to these things that you know are hurting you and defeating you and saying, well, God understands. Well, God understands this. If you'll let go, he'll give you what he has. But he expects an offering of what you're holding back in 2019. And there is a glorious moment when you get past the pain. When you get past the pain of what you wanted to hold on to and what you think you needed and what you had to have and your favorite little deal. When you finally say, okay, 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 here. That's a moment of great freedom because you found out you're bigger than you thought you were. You're better than you thought you were. You can do more than you thought you could do. You didn't know how much what you were holding on to was costing you until you gave it away. So God is not trying to diminish you. He's trying to increase you. But for harvest, there has to be great seeds for great harvest. Harvest is not for cowards. The harvest is a risk where you put everything in the ground and believe it's going to come up. A harvest is taking the risk that God's going to show up and do something great. Now, the other half of the scripture I want to talk to you about today, I could preach that last one for the next two weeks. And it's still some of you are like, I'm almost ready to let it go. I really am. I'm right there. You know that rich young ruler, Jesus said, it's now or never, dude. This is a moment. It was a moment of freedom, now or never. Now or never. Now's the moment of grace. Let it go right now. Let it go right now. 
And he said, can't do it. Jesus said, see ya. And some of you don't honor that you think that God, you can play with them all the time and just, you know, snap your fingers and everything's going to work out. It doesn't work this way. Grace works this way. It visits and says, come on, right now is the time. Let it go. 2019, this is a moment that God's going to give you grace to let that thing go. And you, know, you need to enter into that and not just listen to it because you know the scriptures. But you really need to hear God saying, come on, man, let it go. I'm ready to pour out. I'm ready to give you something. But you're going to have to give your best offering. Now, the second half of this I want to talk about today, and that is the DNA of a winner. What a great uh, uh, message that begins to flow from the writer out of the Holy Spirit here when he says, that easily ensnares us, and he says, and let us run with endurance, or patience is what King James says, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, let your word explode in us today. Let it change the way we think, feel, act, live. Let it change our finances, our marriage, our children, our business, and our nation. Lord, let your word be a great seed that starts like a mustard seed but becomes a great, great tree, a great, expansive miracle. Let your word be like that in us today, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now, here's the point. The reward of surrender is a clear vision and a passion to accomplish it. The reward of surrender is a clear vision and the passion to accomplish it. It's one thing to want a Mercedes Benz, but you're still looking through the window until you can get it. And everybody, you know, it's not a wish book. God wants to do great things. To do great things, he's got to release great vision to you where you can see that marriage, see that finances, see that ministry, see your life, see your health, all the things that you're asking for, see your children do great things. When you can see it clearly, you can have it. It's what God told Abraham. He brought him outside. He said, look, north, south, east, and west, as far as you can see. And God said, if you can see it, I'll give it to you. Say it with me. Say, seeing is possessing. See, the reason people don't possess it is they don't see it. I can't see myself as a leader. That's why you're not a leader. I can't see myself in the ministry. That's, you, that's why you're not in ministry. Because you can't see it. The minute you can see it, I can't see myself starting a business. You can't see it. You'll never have it. What God does, he opens it. When you give what he is asking for, he gives you what you need, which is suddenly you see it. It was there all the time, but you couldn't see it. Don't you, don't you, have you ever seen like an invention like someone else thought of? You're like, dog, I think I thought of that first. And they're like, at, they're, they're, they're like at a Bentley driving around. <laughs> like, that was my idea. It's like, yeah, you had the idea, then you forgot it. They saw it and it became a vision and it brought them great increase because they didn't just see it for a flash and walk away. It became an inspiration and God gave them the passion to accomplish it. Right? So all great things in life, and all of you are great, your potential greatness, it's all released by something the Bible calls a vision. The Bible says without a vision, in Proverbs 29, it says without a vision, the people lose restraint. 
In other words, if you don't have a vision, you just do anything. You just fritter your life away. Because you don't know where you're going. You don't know what you want. You don't know how to get it. You don't have a plan. So the point is this. When you give up, there is a reward that God wants to give you. When you give up the things that you're holding on to, God releases the you vision and the passion to accomplish it. So here we find a list. And of course, you know how lists go. Man, I could preach two days. This is like a seminar list. So I'm going to do my best just to get to some of it because, you know, some of you have football on the brain. I'm nothing I can do about that. <laughs> I mean, God is great, but you know what I'm saying? No, we're going to have a great afternoon. These are seven character traits of winners. Now, remember I said that God in Hebrews pictures your life as a great competition. It is not a... Uh, a cruise, an ocean cruise for Jesus, where it doesn't matter what happens, just eat and drink and have fun. He pictures it as a race where you got to get as light as you can get. You got to get the right shoes. You got to get all the passion you got. You got to put everything on the line and you got to run. That's how God looks at your walk, your race, the thing that God has for you. It's not some casual doopty do, it has to do with a competition. You know why we love football? Because it's inside of us to conquer. When we see a football game, and especially if our team is winning, we're like, but then did did you go look in the mirror at halftime? You ain't doing squat. They're playing. You're living vicariously through Drew Brees. Like, oh, we, you, we, we, nothing. That's them. They're rich, and you at home. (laughs) You can't even pay the light bill this month. We didn't win. They did. They got paid, right? Because we like to be associated with it. We like to watch our kids in sports. We want to put our kids in sports because we want them to have that competitive thing. But do you have it? Do you want to win or you just settle to go through the motions? Well, if Jesus is inside of you, a conqueror is inside of you. His blood is in your veins. That means the blood of a champion's run is inside of you. And you were born to conquer something. You were born to win something. And this is how God pictures life here. And these are the seven character traits of winners. And we already mentioned one. I'm not even going to put this in the group. Winners are willing to give up what they have to give up to win. Winners pay the price. That's not even in my list. I'm just throwing it in there. That's free. You don't even have to write it down. Winners pay the price. We want all of our champions to pay the price. Well, you got to pay the price. You're the champion of your children. You're the champion of your friends. you got to pay the price to be what you need to be so that God can use your life in 2019. Here we go. Here they are. I'm going to run down the list and I'm going to cover as much as I can before we finish today. Number one, winners run. These are the characteristics. They're runners. Winners run. Number one, winners run. Are you running? Where am I going? That's the problem. (laughs) When you figure out where you're going, then you'll start running. But if you don't know where you're going, you're just stumbling around. Two, winners run wisely. They run with patience. Winners run wisely. It's not a sprint. It's a long-distance race, and you're going to win it because you're not just a runner. You're a wise runner. Number three, winners know the plan. Winners know the plan. Number four, winners stay focused. Winners Stay focused. Number five, winners sense destiny. Number five, winners 
sense destiny. Number six, winners are empowered by joy. Winners are empowered by joy. And number seven, winners finish strong. And let me just hit a couple of them before we leave today. Winners run. He said, after you throw all this aside, then run. Run. What is running? Why does the Bible talk about your life like it's running? What is running? Walking is easy. As you get older, walking becomes your like natural thing. Running is like, even, I might get hit by a bus because I just don't want to run. I'm walking. <laughs> the bus is burr. When I was young, I'd be like, just for the fun of it. But you get older, you're like, like I just want to walk fast. Because running requires forward momentum. It requires um, urgency. Some of you may have heard me say it. I was uh, playing church in Baton Rouge. I was living in Perkins Row, and I was, of course, trying to get in shape. You know, I'm always trying to get in shape. And so uh, we'll see. I might need to bring that to the altar because if I was really trying, I might actually be in shape by now. But at least I'm saying I'm trying to get in shape. So uh, I was decided to jog. You know, my first day of jogging at Perkins Road, and it's a really cool place. I'm running around it, and I've got my stuff on it. And uh, the first day, I, uh, I'm trying to look cool and trying to feel like, you know, I do have a gray beard, but don't mind me. I'm not, I won't die. And I'm running, I'm doing good. And then I slip down and I fall right on my face. It's just not cool at all. And I'm thinking, God, why did you let that happen? And my, my, my knee is all skinned up. And I, you know, and it's, it's, so I'm, but I'm determined to keep running, you know. And I'm going to run like, you know, whatever, three miles I'm going to run. And so eventually, I said in my mind I was running, but it was more like a, you ever see those old guys running? You're like, you ain't running, man. You're like, this is a fast. Anybody, a, a kid walking could walk past you. You not, Why are you even acting like you're running? And this is how a lot of Christians, they're just pretending to run. You ain't running. You just want to look like you're running. So I was doing that deal, but I didn't think in my mind. Have you ever just thought in your mind you're running, but you're not? I had slowed down. I, was, I started off like, honey. And then I got a little tired and I slowed it down like, I need to catch my breath. And pretty soon I was in that old man, like, shuffle run. <laughs> and I'm right in front of, it was like right close to the mall there. And I'm on the main street. And I don't think anybody can see that I'm not running at all. And then a car full of young guys look at me. They're hanging out the window screaming and laughing. Hey, man, you got it. Don't fall down. You're really running, man. They were laughing. You know, at some point I thought, they called me out on my fake run. I thought nobody could see I was fake running. I thought nobody knew. I thought it was good that I was at least pretending to run. But then I didn't know that everybody knows I'm not running. And it's actually kind of funny to people. And that's the way it is with many Christians. You've got a bumper sticker that's more fired up than you are. You got the Christian t-shirt, you acting like you're running. You don't know. They're like, you ain't running, man. <laughs> you come on, man, seriously. You're trying to tell your kids you're running, but they, they know you ain't running. Running, it requires urgency and forward momentum. You got to lean forward. You decide to run. Run means I'm carrying an energy. 
Now, those that are going to win have to be people of great energy. The enemy's job is to take your energy away. Running says, I'm not just going to get there. I'm going to get there as soon as I can. There are people who own businesses that are champions in life. They don't stroll. They don't fake it. They don't pretend. They get up and run every day. Running is the result of clarity. Habakkuk 2.2 says this, The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run. Say it with me. That he may run. Say it again. That he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. It will not lie, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely Come, it will not tarry. In other words, man, run. Run requires that your plan of your life is so clear that you just glance at that vision and run. You don't have to sit down and, what was that? What was my goal again? What was I supposed to be doing? Okay, how, how much was God going to pray? How much was I going to read? How much was I going to go to the gym? How much was I was going to simplify? Oh, yeah, I was going to simplify. See, when you're like that, you're not running. You're still trying to figure it out. Some people say, all right, it's 2019 already. You don't even have it. You don't have a plan. Number two, runners, run, winners run wisely. Winners run with patience. Patience. Patience is the wisdom to do everything you do right. Wisdom, running with patience is not just being in a hurry. It's not just like, I'm going to try to, you know, build a business as quick as I can. I'm going to try to build a family. Look, there's a patience to doing all these things. You can run. You can get it done as fast as you can. But here's the question my dad used to ask me. If you don't have time to do it right, where will you find the time to do it over? If you don't have time to build a marriage right, where will you find the time to build it over? To build a house or whatever it is that you're wanting to do, whatever God, the plan that God gave you, if you got to not just do it, you got to be patient enough to do it right. Children just want it done tomorrow. And if it's not done tomorrow, they quit. But you got to not run, just run, you got to run with patience. Like, I'm going to do it right this time. How many have ever done something wrong? You tried and you just did it wrong. Just wave your hand. Anybody? Everybody, I know. (laughs) Because all of us, that's the way we learn. Quit learning the same lesson. Be patient when you're running. Be patient. Say, you know what? This thing doesn't have to pay off the first day with my kids and my marriage and my finances. But it's going to pay off because I'm running with patience. I'm not just running. We're going to get this thing done. But I've got a patience about what I'm doing. These are the marks of winners. Number three, winners know the plan. The Bible says run the race that is set before you. Do you know God has a race that's set before you? You're like, "Uh, how do I know that race? It's going to take you a little bit of time to figure out what's the race that is set before you. Survival is not the race. The goal, winning the goal, winning the prize, this is the race. The plan. Developing a plan. The work of winning is developing a winning plan. You know, I, I, I look at the Saints and, you know, all these football teams, and I'm always listening to these guys in the, in the locker room, and they always say, you know, we had a great plan. The coach gave us a great plan. 
And you know that winning is all about having a great defensive plan, a good offensive plan. That somebody studied and took the time to say, okay, what are we doing? How are we going to do it? Now, if you're wanting to pay off debt, you're going to have to sit down and talk and figure it out and find out which credit card's got the highest interest rates. And you're going to have to get some help. If you can't do it, find somebody. Say, please, I'm desperate. I need a plan. And, and look, when they tell you to sell something, sell it. Get rid of it. Because if you want to comp, if you're a winner, tell me the plan. Like if you and me, if we're on a retreat and, and there's going to be a game, I want to know one thing, first of all, how do we win? Because I'm a winner. Because I have Jesus inside of me. I don't want to play. I want to win. Is it volleyball? Okay, what's the rules? Because I want to win. That's all I'm at. I beat my grandbaby in candy crush. What was it called? Candyland. I beat her in Candyland on her birthday the other night. I was like, hey, what you going to do with that? That's what. I got ugly after it too. Like, sorry, you know it's your birthday, but I decided to beat you. <laughs> I was like, tell, tell me about this whole Candyland thing, how we win, man. And they said, well, you have to hit the right. Okay, got it, got it. But your life, you got to look at it this way and say, write these things down. This will help you. I could preach a whole seminar because this has changed my life. From the vision, say vision, go, plan, schedule. So from the vision, which is where you want to go, you got to set a goal. From the vision, you get a goal. If you're, let's, oh, we'll use debt. If you want to be out of debt, the vision is to be completely out of debt and have plenty of finances. Okay, there you go. This is the great vision. Be out of debt with plenty of finances. Okay, what's the goal? This year, I'll pay off my two highest credit cards. End of the year, we're paying these bad boys off. What's the plan? We're going to sell the truck. We're going to sell the boat. And we're going to put $200 a month. This is the plan. And then the schedule has to do with, okay, once a month, we're going to get together and have a meeting and see if we're actually doing it. Because the vision has to be every day. You don't win the vision once a month or once a week. You win the vision every day. Every day, you're saying we're paying that thing down every day. It's not going to, look, we're running with patience. We're going to win this thing. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to whine about it. We're not going to ask God to have money falling out of the ceiling. We're going to make a plan from the vision. We're going to set a goal. From the goal, we're going to make a plan with the Holy Spirit. From that plan, we're going to set a schedule that this is when we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it. In your business, anything else, God wants to give you a great plan. Can I give you one more before we go? Winners stay focused. The Bible says looking unto Jesus. Oh, man. Looking unto Jesus. You know what messes people up when they're trying to do something? They look at other people and compare themselves with other people. And they're like, well, I'm doing better than her. I'm better than he is. And they compare themselves to each other, and they look at each other, and they say, well, I'm doing good compared to my neighbor. That dude's a drug addict. I look how, you know, they don't compare themselves to Jesus. They compare themselves to other people. And in this particular scripture, it's not speaking of looking at Jesus in a sense of how awesome he is. It, not as an admirer, but as an imitator. 
When the Bible says looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, would not give up, would not give in, would not let go, did not get tired, but finished the thing he started. The Bible says look at that before you quit. Look at Jesus not as an admirer only, but as an imitator. If Jesus, look, Jesus is my example. Jesus is the one I'm going to compare myself. If he, if he quit, then I'd quit. But he didn't quit, so I can't quit. Looking unto Jesus. Focus, focus, focus. Focus. Don't look at your kids. Don't look at your problems. Don't look at your money. Don't look at your stuff. Look at Jesus and say, look, look I got a goal. I'm going to win this thing. Jesus didn't quit. I can't quit. Number five, winners sense destiny. Winners sense destiny. It says he's the what? He's the author and the finisher. What does it mean? You're leaving, living a great story. You're a woman and a man of great purpose. You are not average and you are not ordinary. When I look at the Drew Brees story, I'm thinking this dude was born to be a saint. Seriously. I'm inspired because someone wrote this story. He injured his throwing arm, came to New Orleans, won a Super Bowl. What the heck? And then won the Super Bowl again in 2019. But if you look at his life, it's a great story. Someone wrote it and somebody's finishing it. You have such a story. You have to live with this sense of destiny. Okay, you made a mistake, but guess what? It's not the end of your story. Someone wrote this story. There was an author of this story. And there's also a finisher of this story. And the one that started this thing is going to finish it. Don't quit right in the middle. You know, you know. You ever watch one of those? Every movie has the same thing. Every Rocky movie. I think there's 1,400 of them. But everyone has, it starts off great. And then there's the sad part. And you even want to just get up and leave like it's just bad. You know, Adrian is going to die. Something bad is going to happen. That's another how old I am. Adrian's going to die. But, you know, if you don't wait to the end, you're going to miss the best part. Man, don't, at the difficult part of your marriage, don't give up. At the difficult part with your children, don't give up. At the difficult part of, of getting out of debt, at starting a ministry, at doing whatever God calls you, don't, that's what losers do. Losers say, I'm a man of destiny. I sense destiny on my life, and it doesn't matter what I'm going through. The one that started this thing is going to finish it. You ought to be shouting right now. Say, he's going to finish it. I don't have just an author. I have the finisher. And I'm looking to the the one that started it, that started this great story, is the same one that's going to finish this story. I'm going to finish changing history. I'm going to finish doing something spectacular for God. I am not ordinary. I am not average because a champion lives inside of me. I sense destiny on my life. I got to get to number six. Winners are empowered by joy. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You got to set some joy before you, or you'll quit. You got to set some joy. You got to make a habit of setting some joy. And this is the way you roll. This is the way Jesus does it. He says, you know, look, I can look at all of those people's mistakes and I can look at all of their floundering and I can look at all their unfaithfulness. And, and Jesus said, I just want to quit on the church. 
But instead, he looks at you and says, I know you're kind of goofed up. But I've seen the end of this story. And I've seen that it's going to be a joyful ending. And I'm setting joy before me. And I'm not going to quit because I've already read the last chapter. I know how it ends. I know it's going to be a joyful ending. Come on, what does the Bible say? Weeping might last for the night. But joy comes in the morning. You can focus on weaknesses and failures and hurts and aggravations and problems and issues and finances. Or you can focus on some joy. You know what drains your energy that makes you so tired? I'm just so tired. Because you're looking at you're complaining all the time. You're aggravated all the time. And all you want to look at is problems. Here's a great secret in life. There is always a reason to be happy. And there's always a reason to be sad. Choose happy. I don't know why it is. We're like little boys with a white suit around a mud puddle. We're like just come out of church all white and say, look at my car. Look at that dent. The kids took my car. Those kids are irresponsible. Pretty soon you just cover with mud. Did you just come out of church? See, what drains your energy is not your age. What drains your energy is your aggravation. It drains your energy is that you're not setting joy. How did Jesus win? Look, I don't care. I made my mind up. I'm going to set joy in front of me. Write this down. Focus on what brings you joy. You know the fuel of life is joy. It's not commitment. It's not determination. It's not greed. The fuel of life is joy. What makes you joyful? That's where the energy is. For the joy that was set before him, he endured. Like, I don't care. I can take it. I already know how this thing's in. I got joy inside of me. I'm never going to lose that joy. Show me a man without any joy. I'll show you a man without any strength. Joy. That's your plug-in. You know, your, your phone runs down. You're trying to find a place to plug in. You better plug into some joy because that's where the strength comes from to endure. You finish because you say, I'm not going to look at how bad it is. I'm going to look at how great it's going to be. Now, I'm going to ask, if you guys want to have communion today before we go? Is it okay? Well, let me let the ushers come on up. Because the last, last point is so easy. While they're coming up, I can say it. Winners finish strong. Winners never quit. Winners never receive a wounded spirit. Let me say it again. Winners never receive a wounded spirit. I don't care what you've been through. You have a choice whether you live with a wounded spirit or not. Whether you become a victim or not, that's your deal. Like, I can't stop things from happening to me. Are you living hurts, loving hurts, trying hurts? It all hurts. It does. It's true. But you choose if you have a wounded spirit that wears you out and depresses you and drains your life. Winners finish strong. Winners finish strong. 